Y'all, we live in difficult times. There's war, political unrest, the pandemic, poverty, families being torn, communities ripped by gun violence and people dying every day. Police, injustice, it's all bringing so much pain. But y'all, we can look inside our minds and we can understand who we are, become better, and do this thing like we've never done it before. But it all starts with our mental health and I know we can do it. I believe in you because I believe in me and I believe in us. Hello, and thank you for joining us again for another episode of Therapy is Life, where thinking and feeling and experiencing well-being is what we do. I have with me again, Aisha Perry and Delilah Grayer, and we're going to finish up our discussion on relationships by talking about what to expect when you come into individual counseling to address relationship issues. So to get us started, Naisha, my first question to you is, how often do you work with clients that come in primarily to, when they come in, they primarily want to work on relationship issues, but in individual therapy? Um, how often would that be? I would say probably 60% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, that's been, I would say on average, yes, it is increasing. <laughs> I think that with mental health awareness and the fact that we are trying to get more people to come into therapy for various reasons, relationships are the thing that really pull them in. They're right. looking at, you know, not only how am I feeling, but how are my relationships being affected around me? I want to go to therapy because I want to talk about my relationship with my mom, my dad, my significant other. So relationships have been definitely pulling people into therapy. Gotcha. Um, mm, beautiful. And I, I would, I concur. I would say about 60% of the time that it, it, it is related to relationships um, with it, it, whether it be significant other, whether it be mom, dad, or, or even children yes. or extended family members. You know, for some people, extended family is so in, important. Um, Delilah, do you have anything you want to add to that? Or? Well, relationships is a lifetime process. Right. You could use that word. It covers everything. Right. You know, even if we go to the store and ask for something. Right. You know, we're relating all the time. And even when couples say it's, they, they can't communicate, they're communicating all the time. <laughs> it's a nonverbal thing. It's a body language thing. It's an attitude thing. They're constantly, we are communicating to, uh, until we go to sleep or whatever, and we're communicating then, but in, <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> and, you know, and you, you, you speak to the thing of communicating. We didn't say this earlier, but I think it's important to note that 65% of communication is probably body language. Yes. And then, yes. And then you have... The, the next part of it, which may be the tone of, uh, tone of voice, mm -hmm. and the last part is um, what you say. So that, that means, I, I think I could say, shut up, <laughs> shut up, boy, you better shut up. And nobody take me serious. Right. But I could also do like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And somebody know, oh, it, I'm ready to work. See, I didn't even scream, did I? That's right. It was the body language. My body language. And, and, and so it, it sends so much information, like, about things. Now, granted, you might have those people that might be on the spectrum a little bit or people that might be more introverted and, you know, you can't always read. They social cues. Yeah, they, they can't always, you can't always read them. But in general, we can pick up, we can communicate a lot just by our body language. Cause she looked at me the way she looked at me, and man, just tore right through me, man. It hurts so bad. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> it hurts so bad. I just, I just wanted to cry. Well, but, what does it feel like? Let's. Why don't you demonstrate if somebody you really attracted to, and and so how did they look at you? They, oh, they, oh, they looked at. Oh, they looked, they, they, they looked at me like they with the stink eye, like. You know, like, you know, just think I like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, let me just move on, man. I feel that little nervous feeling in my chest. Be like, all right, let me just move on, man. <laughs> like, so, um, so with, with, with that being said, so what what are some of the, when people come into, for you know, for therapy as a, you know, in, individual, what is some of the particular type of concerns they may, they may, they may bring up? Well, usually communications and infidelity. Okay. To my surprise, it's never finances or money, even if they might be struggling. Very seldom do they bring that up. Mm. If, if, if I want to know about it, it'll be through the questionnaire or something of that nature. Uh, mm. most of, and most of them are in shock, in trauma, mm-hmm. uh, have not had some positive experiences a lot of what their experiences are repetitive things that happen, um, just all sorts of things in terms of is the marriage going to work, domestic violence, it comes up. Mm-hmm. A- anything that you can think of, you know, it's, it's a part of it. You know, they fight, you know, they argue, they fuss, do all kinds of things. So what I usually do is uh, bring up what I call the... Uh, four kinds of communication styles. Mm-hmm. And that's dialogue, discussion, debate. And so uh, usually they're not in dialogue. They're usually past discussion where you take information and use it as you can. They're usually in the debate or the argument. Mm. And what I emphasize about argument is that argument is, it, there's nothing about it that's positive and people usually argue because they feel intimidated or threatened mm. when you think about it. Or that person is trying to affect your self-esteem. But there's nothing logical about argument. No. It's the logic with debate mm-hmm. and the rest of everything else. It's but more emotionally driven. It it's not about the facts anymore. Exactly. It's We're not no about longer anything. debating the facts. It's just emotions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what do we argue about? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not really. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, but it can be very threatening or intimidating. You know what? With that being said, I feel like okay. So let me say this, and maybe I'm, I'm talking about diagnosis a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So diagnosis are you know criteria we have to use in order to be able to develop a treatment plan and, right. and work with insurance companies and things like like that, right? So, but. I see adjustment disorders, people, you know, transitioning. Oh, I yeah. see the depression. I see the anxiety. I see the PTSD. And oh, the, I see that all the time. And, and the complex PTSD, mm-hmm. among among other things, when people come in with uh, relationship issues. And a lot of times they want to talk about 
their relationships and whether they should stay or whether they should go, go. whether they should stay or whether they should go. And, 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 and so one of the things I oftentimes try to point out to people they, I believe there's three things in a relationship that, that you have to be able to have answers to in order to decide what you should do. Number one, are your beliefs and attitudes towards life in line? Mm-hmm. Number two, Good. is there reciprocity? Please tell me I how like I can get that. some reciprocity in this. Word. Because if the emotional bank account is empty or there's being the, there these mm-hmm. che- checks, be emotional checks being written that's all constant, that's constantly bouncing... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you say that there's no balance. There's <laughs> no balance, and then so you ask the question: Is this person good for me? Mm-hmm. And so a person may be going back and forth with that. So then we move into exploring them. Like, okay, so let's not talk so much about that person. Let's talk more about you. Thank you. What do you want? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, right, right, and and it's like a misunderstanding because. The expectation, again, I think of couples is I want to talk about him or her. Mm-hmm. It's their fault. They did this. They did that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really takes two people. Absolutely. Yeah. Because how did what they did trigger you? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, let's talk and what about triggers? what they did. How did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And what experience can you connect that with from early childhood, adolescence, yeah. you know, prior to this relationship? Yeah. How did whatever this person did to you, how did that really, really affect you? What mm. memories and experiences did that bring up for you? Yeah. That's it's, what we need to talk mm-hmm. about. And what does that say about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah getting in the root at it, who, who you are. Yeah. I mean, and, and sometimes if, if people can be, because what we are attracted to oftentimes is what we know. Like we, we hear about the person who was in an abusive family Mm -hmm. and they grow up and I'll never, you know, be with somebody abusive. And that's the first thing they get with is somebody that's abusive. Yeah. Transgenerational (laughs) patterns. Exactly. And the transgenerational patterns are not just generational, but they're from, from one relationship to the next. Mm -hmm. They just show up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you swear you're not going to marry somebody that's abusive and you get married. I had a couple and the sister got married and within three months, there was a situation where he was so possessive and territorial mm-hmm. that he decided to move her or they would move across the street from his mother's house. Mm-hmm. And he informed her that if you, if you don't keep the shades open, I'm going to leave work and see what's happening. He became extremely abusive. So one day she said she was watching TV, TV and the sun Mm-hmm. It was a reflection on the TV. Mm-hmm. And she said her husband came home like in five minutes. The mother called him. Mm. Oh, my. And he beat her so much mm. that he felt he had killed her. Oh, my God. And then after he left, she called 911. Mm-hmm. He mm. did break her uh, leg. Mm-hmm. Good. In fact, it had to be cut off. Mm. You know, but it was that kind of thing. And she said, when I first knew that this was transgenerational is when we would go to bed, he pushed me off the bed and I had to sleep on the floor. And I got to the point I would sleep on the floor automatically. Mm. Mm. So it's some beef stuff that the happens. mom definitely mm-hmm. played a role. His mom. You know? His mom definitely it was oh yeah. That's so unfortunate. And and so but people being aware of their history, like mm-hmm. we talking about, you know, understanding that their history and, and the things they learned. Mm-hmm. Because 
what is it about us that might make us attractive to somebody who's abusive? Because typically abusive people have qualities that we do like. Yeah. Like they may be protective. Mm-hmm. They may be outgoing. Romantic. They may be outgoing. Mm-hmm. They may they may make you feel like they are a quote unquote what we uh, uh, alpha male, mm-hmm. and and we want that that kind of safety mm-hmm. and, and 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 that type of support. But that also may be a reflection of the fact, and I, and I, and I love telling uh, women that come in my office, sometimes those qualities are a reflection of some type of deeper insecurity. Yeah. I, I, I used to make this. Something I used, that you were missing. Something you was missing. I, I used to make this. Uh, oh, I, I used to do it when I used to work, work in residential. I would tell the, the boys about the story that, I, that I, I, I experienced when I was a child. There was these two dogs, and I, I would walk to school every day. And just about every day, there would be this little chihuahua that always be barking. Always be barking, barking. But the other side, when I got closer to school, there was this great dame. And this great dame would walk up to the fence, but he would never say anything. One day, wow. I got, I got, I got, I got tired of the chihuahua, so I, I went towards it, and it's like, rawr, 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 rawr. Mm-hmm. but the great dame never said anything. And so I want you to think about this internally, not no externally, and think about the difference in the size. But see, the the one that's responding aggressively probably is more likely to be afraid of something, yeah. and the one who's calm has some <laughs> sense of control yes. and some sense of peace. Yes. So they're not reacting to things. So you, they don't come off as being protective, but they really are. They just, they just cool in their game. Mm-hmm. So you re, you you're, you're feeling safe because this person is acting out, yes. but you don't realize it's because they are actually afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. They feel that that's their form of protection. It, to be that way. And so we discount people because we don't understand this. So, but we've been learning. Well, what's the, what's the protective male? The cowboy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of our friend used to come on the radio, uh, The Quiet Storm. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what that was. That's right. what That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yes. So helping people become aware of those kind of things, and it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's physically abusive. It could be the emotional abusive mm-hmm. person. Uh, because you had a parent that always made you feel like you wasn't adequate. And yeah. so and so now you, you get with somebody who say they believe in you and all this kind of stuff. Oh, somebody believes in me, but then they go down that same road. Yeah, and it could be social, abusive. Mm-hmm. Can't go anywhere, do anything, isolate you. That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. It can even be spiritual abusive. Yes, if and you, when we get yeah. into those yeah. cycles, we go right back to being that scared little child who mm-hmm. was helpless. So a lot of times people in domestic violence relationships or even emotionally abusive relationships, um, their loved ones, the people that they interact with, may ask, well, why are you still mm-hmm. with them? Mm-hmm. Well, I let my parents abuse me for so long, or I was bullied in school. It kind of just becomes normal. It becomes comfortable. I know how to navigate here. Right, you know, right, I right. can navigate my world in this because I'm so used to it. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so we, we, we keep doing these relationships or like maybe uh, family expectations. Maybe this relationship is bad, but because, you know, I got children or because family look at me uh, a certain way. If I get out of this relationship, mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay with it. Or financially, you know, if I get out, it's going to be it's going to be all these problems. Yeah. It's more yeah. reasons to stay than to leave. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, like our brains work more on like 80% of our thoughts are negative throughout the day, right? Mm -hmm. We have to really challenge the negative thoughts and be more intentional about 
what we think and how we think about situations. So when we are in unhealthy relationships, we're more thinking about like, well, if I stay, here's the benefits. Mm -hmm. But if I leave, now I got to be a single parent. Oh, some people stay in relationships for a long time because they don't want to go through the depression stage. Right. They want to go through the grieving don't want to talk about oh my gosh what life is going to be like without yes. them i got them here so i might as well just stay with it and, and, yeah, and with, plus it takes eight to eleven times usually wow i mean right. eight finally to leave finally so they just say they just stay in it because mm -hmm. that's what they know it's uncomfortable but they don't allow themselves all the time until probably eight eighth time to mm -hmm. eleven time to actually think about well i want to be happy I'm just going to go ahead and go mm -hmm. through the depression. I'm going to go through the grief because I know that what's on the other side is going to be greater. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and man, look, I don't, you know, when you say that, I, I, how many clients that just keep going through the same narrative over and over and over again, because they won't let go something that is hurting them. Mm -hmm. And then they, they actually are that, that single parent. They, they actually are that, that, um, you know, that person is doing everything all by themselves, mm -hmm. but because symbolically they have somebody in the same house with them, they feel like they're not. But when you listen to what they do, it's like, you are a single parent and you, you are doing everything doing by yourself. Stuff. Like mm -hmm. you, so you, you, you can yeah. <laughs> and that's when we, you know, inspire <laughs> them and just say like, wow, you're already doing it. You're doing a great job right now. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. already doing it. So let's talk a little bit more about the fear. Mm -hmm. You know, what else are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, because, because a lot of times I think we have these ideas about, like, the grass is green on the other side. We'll think things about the grass. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll make these assumptions because we're uncomfortable with change. And yeah. we won't move forward it, and so we'll end up having all these cycles of anxiety, all these cycles of depression, all these cycles of, of, of hurt. Until your body says it's time to go. And when your body says it's time to go, how does that show up? High blood pressure, intestinal issues, headaches, Ulcers. anxiety. When you see the person, mm -hmm. your whole demeanor, your whole body just starts to change. Mm -hmm. Listening to your body is beyond the, oh, but I love him or I love her. What is your body saying? Right. That's yeah. what you got to listen to. You know, meditation and prayer. What is God telling you to do? Yeah. God is telling you it's time to make that move. You got to trust. It's time to make that move. Don't just stay there because you're comfortable there. Because there's something beyond this that's greater. If you want to be at peace and you want to be happy, you want your children to be happy, it's okay to move. Right. Yeah. So we have to, it definitely is steps. You don't just wake up one day and be like, Oh, okay, I'm ready to go. But it's a slow transition. Our exactly. bodies are preparing us. God is preparing us to make the move because it is definitely doable. Exactly. Yeah. Your body always gives you signals, mm -hmm. you know, and, and symbolically, even like Louise, Hey, she talks about the emotions of the body. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you have ulcers, you, you haven't expressed yourself. You know, if, if you have longitis, you're not saying what it is you really feel. You know, mm -hmm. she goes through the emotional, the emotional piece. And you could ask your body, uh, it, you know, do you feel good today? Yes or no. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. do you really want to go out on an adventure like that? Yes or no. See, sometimes I call it checking in. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I start from the top of my head, mm-hmm. like you said, and go to the sole of my feet in, mm-hmm. in the sense that it, should I really do this? Gotcha, you gotcha. Know, that's what that's what I do at this gotcha. point. Gotcha, gotcha. Exactly. That's that's that that that's good. And, and we have to be able to check in and have a sense of ourselves and and believe that we deserve better than being hurt and downtrodden and and beat down and everything should be you know hellacious. You know. One of the things I try to emphasize more than more than anything is people developing a routine for self-care. Yes. You know, uh, I like that. You know, so be in love with yourself enough to take care of yourself. Yes. Um, and understanding the difference between self-care and maintenance. Right. Gay right. Yeah. A lot of times people think that, oh, I got my hair done. I got a haircut. That's self-care. Well, when you get your nails done nails. every month. And you get your hair done every two weeks. That's not self-care. Mm-hmm. That's maintenance. Right. Exactly. What are you doing like to that. truly care for yourself that's different for you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some people don't understand like the difference between maintenance and self-care. Yeah, exactly. I had never thought about it like that. Right. Like, you know, so yes. it's important. Yes. So starting with what you eat, you know, mm-hmm. exercising. Do you take space out for yourself? Because some people mm-hmm. feel like they got to always be dealing with other people's stuff. Oh, yeah. But we got to set boundaries mm-hmm. and give ourselves, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's 10 or 15 minutes a day. Yes. To kind of be to ourselves so we can reflect, decompress, unwind. All of that. And emphasizing those yeah. kind of things. When people come into to come into individual therapy, dealing with relationship stuff, that self-care stuff is so important. Yes, being Absolutely. in tune to yeah. you and learning how to be alone with just yourself. Exactly. If you can't sit by yourself or you don't you can't travel, you can't do anything, take yourself to the movies, you can't go out to lunch by yourself. Why would you think anybody else would want to sit there with you if you can't sit there with you? Because right? well, you, you, you got to in tune. You got to be like, how how am I feeling? <laughs> What's going on within me? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who you are from head to toe, inside and out, how can you expect anyone else to understand you if you don't? Yeah, right. So going back to the potatoes, if I ain't good potatoes, oh, what I'm is the gravy gonna lady. do? What, what, <laughs> what, what is the gravy gonna do for me? Yes. I don't expect others to do for me what I'm not willing to do for myself. So That's right. sometimes in relationships, one of the biggest problems is we not expecting ourselves to do anything good for ourselves. So then we 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 don't experience anything good because we don't make it happen. Because because ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to also be good with. Being alone. Yes. Yeah, that's a part of accountability, too. And we're sometimes called caretakers because we don't take care of ourselves. Yeah, being alone. Like, how, like I, you know, I, I got to take care of everybody and everything. No, but sometimes you got to be alone. Yes, and we, as we were talking about this morning, mm-hmm. actually planning time. You know, we have time where we... We we work, we're clinicians, right? We're taking care of our clients and their families. Then we have to go home and take care of our own families. Then we nourish our relationships that are close to us. But we have to sit down and put on a calendar when we can take care of ourselves. Right, You know, like, okay, I'm going to take a week vacation and I'm going to just focus on me. But I got to let everybody know first so they don't bother me. They don't expect anything because we just can't fall off the face of the earth. We got to prepare people. Yeah, when we're prepared. not around. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. So when people come into individual therapy and they want to talk about relationship issues, yes, we want to talk about the 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 problem they're having with the individual and what's going on. But I, I think it's important that a person takes some time to get in tune with themselves. So self care, understanding some of their own goals and dreams, really connecting to what they really believe and want in life, and asking themselves, how does this person align with that? Yeah. Because I'm I'm gonna tell you, like for example. 
example, I am a very busy person. I, you know, so if you have an issue with time, I'm not the one for you because, <laughs> like, because I'm busy. That's if you need somebody to always be available, like, oh, no, I'm not the one. And, 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 but some people might want to live in Timbuktu. You don't want to live there. Some people might want to live in Cleveland. You might want to live out in the country. Those things affect relationships. Some people don't care about money. Others, they really care about money. Like, so you have to think through those things. But we're so busy not wanting to be alone and, and processing what yes, we really want. We just jump into stuff and we figure out. Yeah. Because I say take the word alone. You have A-L-O-N-E. But start vertically at the top of the page. Draw a line between the L and the O. Mm -hmm. It's all one. Actually, you're never alone. Mm, mm, mm. It can change your whole perception. Yeah. When people come in with that. you know. Gotcha. So that's powerful. See, it's different. It's different because sometimes your greatest moments in life will come when you are not afraid Already. of being alone. Witness. Amen. You, you're not afraid in of being alone. In the comment section, everybody comment. What you say? Your greatest moments will come when you're not afraid that's of right. being alone. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that's when oh, you'll I find know. your greatest moments. I know. Like, if you go throughout history, when people have done great things, they oftentimes went to themselves, they closed off, and mm -hmm. they worked at something. But when you're distracted by trying to figure out how you're going to get your, your, your peace today or that over there tomorrow, you're not focused in. No, so one distracted. of the... So one of the challenges is to get people to understand it's okay for you to be alone so you can work through some things exactly. and understand who you are better. Like T'Challa, show them who you are. So, yeah. so individual yeah. therapy allows people to gain self-awareness, yes. self-confidence, um, self-esteem. Yeah. So you can be whole and complete mm -hmm. for your partner. Right, right. And so when yeah. you get a partner, they can be more like gravy. Exactly. And, and they can be more gravy. But yeah. even more importantly... If something ain't right for you, you good at walking away from the deal. That's why I tell people oh, sometimes. Yeah. But we, you know it right away. Yeah, you know it right but away. You, you feel can walk you away. Change it. Yeah. Oh, listen, you say change it. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, I want to say this. I want to say this. You said that. Oh my gosh, I got to say this. And, and before we close okay. this out, is that when you meet somebody, now you know who you are and what you're trying to do. When you meet somebody and you see them and you say, oh, they're good, but this got to change, this got to change, that got to change. That as soon as you're saying that, you need to walk away. You know yeah, why? Yeah. Just walk away. Because you need to really assume that they'll never change. And if they stay just like this, will I be able to deal with them? Yeah. That's right. That's you right. Don't get in a relationship yeah. thinking about what you can change, what can be changed later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is what you get. This is what you get. If they change, that's gravy. But you need to be ready to deal with them as they are. Yes. It, the only thing that we should be trying to focus on changing somebody in a relationship is communication. Right. Don't try to change mm -hmm. who they are. Don't try to change what they like to eat because mm -hmm. those things will come. If I say I'm vegetarian, I don't eat meat, I'm not going to be with somebody that says, oh, well, I'm going to get you to eat some chicken, girl. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. Okay. So where's your book? <laughs> That's the last thing I want to say. So I'm looking toward you both getting together to write your book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So listen, folks, I hope this has been uh, insightful. So if you come to individual therapy, though, so just expect to work on you more so than working on the problem. Because if you work on you, maybe the problem will improve itself. Or maybe you might decide that you need to do something else, but that's, that's still solving the problem. Or but you just are the problem. Or maybe you are the problem, but solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Because 
individual therapies for you to get better so you can be prepared for whatever relationship you have, the one you in or the ones you have in the future. But it's about us improving ourselves. Anything else y'all want to add? No, I enjoyed it. No, Thanks that, for that the invite. Cool. For all you potatoes out there, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. work on being your whole and complete potato and your significant other is going to be your gravy. Gonna be your gravy. Uh, <laughs> they, like they, they, they'll be your gravy. Cause you know if the potatoes ain't good. It don't matter. That's no matter right. how good the gravy yeah, is, it just won't potatoes. be right. Right. <laughs> you want to steal from hundred? Participate in your own life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. By the way, I like cut fries. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I like cut fries. All right, y'all. No, if you, if you, please like us, subscribe, add your comments in the comment section, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank oh, you. That's good.